You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Covenant Church in Big Spring, Texas. Thank you so much for joining us online. To find more resources or to donate to this amazing ministry, please visit us at cccbigspring.org or text your amount to 84321. Hey, we're so glad that you're here. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God. chapter, Matthew the fifth chapter, and as you're turning to Matthew the fifth chapter, last week we covered five points from a title, Piercing the Darkness Before You Go In. We challenge you to remember that we were once in darkness. Number two, we remember that we were actually rescued from that darkness. Number three, we remember that we are needed in the world because of darkness. And number four, those in darkness cannot see what we see. Lastly, we covered, remember, when light shows up, darkness cannot win. Can I get an amen? Again, Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses 14, 15, and 16. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Uh, Your translation may be different from mine, if you can see it. I think we might need to turn the lights on so they can... They can see their Bible. There we go. Uh, David, some of them still using printed text. You know, he's a, he's a young man. He, they, they, they got all these devices, amen. So he's like, why do we need the light on? I'm trying to help some of the older folks out, amen. Praise the Lord. How many of y'all still turning pages? Praise the Lord. Well, see, I got devices and pages. I'm trying to cross over. You know what I'm saying? All right. Matthew, the fifth chapter, 14, 15, 16, verse. Again, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Your translation may be different from mine, but I believe you'll be able to follow along. If you've arrived to that portion of Scripture, I want you to signify by the saying of amen. amen. If you have not, say, hold on. You'll find these words recorded. You are the light of the world. A city that sits on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand that it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine so, here it is, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Can you say amen? I want to use a little bit of our time today and I want to speak to you from the subject, piercing the darkness after you go in. Four things that we need to know once we pierce the darkness. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people in this place, in this sanctified, consecrated place, your house. We offer up this prayer because you said your house shall be known as the house of prayer. And so, Lord, as we offer up this prayer, our prayer is that you would cover our hearts and minds. Touch us. Minister to us. Let this word be relevant to deep down in our soul not just for our own personal personal edification, but that we may use it to advance the cause of Christ. Starting in our circle of influence, our families, and to all those areas you would call us to. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Please be seated, God bless you. We are so delighted that you are here uh, with us here uh, this morning. We started last week talking about piercing the darkness. I want you to talk back to me. Somebody say, pierce the darkness. Now, when we start talking about piercing the darkness, I told you we have this working collective definition of this word, piercing the darkness. First of all, what we need to know, and I'm going to change up a little bit uh, media from from where I was uh, this morning at 9 because there's some things that God laid on my heart between that. And so I just want you all to just pray and flow with me here. But the first thing I want you to understand is piercing, piercing the darkness. First, let's look at the definition of piercing for our working so we're on the same sheet of music. To pierce means, number one, to lean. Somebody say lean. It means also to bore into. Somebody say bore in. But it also means to cut through. Somebody say cut through. It means not only to cut through, but it means to do so with force using strength. The reason that definition is important because it shows us that when it comes to us, here it is, piercing the darkness, if it means to lean, if it means to bore into, if it means to cut through, it means that it, and if it's to be done with force, with strength, by force, that means we must be intentional. 
when it comes to us piercing the darkness, it cannot be done in a passive way. When it comes to us piercing the darkness in our circles of influence, when it comes to piercing the darkness in where God's called us to pierce that darkness, even if it's in our personal space, we need to know that it must be done intentionally. It must be done on purpose. Somebody say on purpose. So when it comes to us approaching this particular subject of piercing the darkness, not only does it mean to lean into, not only does it mean to bore into, to cut through, see, the Bible says, well, let me, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. I'm, I'm going to clarify that statement later on in a particular verse of Scripture where the Bible shows us some individuals that actually cut through or broke through. With that being said, we're talking about piercing the darkness. Now, for our same working definition of the word darkness, darkness for our uh, subject means literally the state of a person who is living apart from God and has no fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again. A person who is living apart from God and has no fellowship with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, it's important that we clarify that in the 21st century. I'm talking about a biblical view of God. Because if you don't have a biblical worldview of God, what will happen is that you can create a God of your own imagination. I'm going to let that sink in for a moment. If you're not careful, you can build. Because, see, our understanding of who God is is revealed by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. And if you only deal with God just based on your systems that you build, such as social constructs, you can build a God of your own imagination. And so as we go through this, we will be looking at some scriptures, but I want you to know that at the, at, at the beginning. Now, sin. Sin has a way of allowing or fueling darkness. Now, when we start talking about sin, we're talking about sin, number one, will darken our understanding. I believe that every person in here can attest to that. You can look back over your life and say, you know what? There's times that I was in willful disobedience, and guess what it did? It darkened my insight or my understanding. It also destroys your spiritual insight to things. Your discernment gets thrown off. Uh, and the further you stay in darkness, the further things that used to be absolutely wrong don't look as wrong as it used to. Talk to me, somebody. Amen. Uh, it, it, it was, I think, Charles Spurgeon. We're going to cover this later. But I think it was Charles Spurgeon that said uh, it's not a question of just discerning right and wrong. He says he's got to be able to discern right and almost right. Look at your name and say, that gets a little harder. Amen. And so it takes God to help us to do that. So, so I want you to understand, it also camouflages us deep in that darkness. It was Proverbs 4 and 19 that says, But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness, and they do not know what makes them stumble. So anytime you find yourself in a place of darkness, there's things that you stumble over. You're walking around in the darkness, and all of a sudden, you've been stumbling over these things and so I'm gonna bring this out of darkness so that we just might be able to see it you didn't see that because it was covered by darkness but understand that was there and there's things in life we talked about this last week things that we trip over we bump over uh, all of a sudden you get out of the uh, you're getting ready to go to the restroom you get out of bed at night you know the layout of your home so you don't turn the light on but somebody moved the coffee table Right, And all of a sudden you find yourself tripping over something that shouldn't have been there. But the reason you tripped over it, uh, not because it shouldn't have been there, you tripped over it because it was in darkness. Can I ask you this question? I'm going to repeat it as I did last week. What are you still tripping over? What are things that you should be able to go around, step over, and perhaps if it was higher, go underneath and avoid tripping over it simply because you're able to see it? And so the writer in Proverbs says that they were stumbling around in darkness, tripping over things because it was in darkness and they could not see it because of the state of sin or disobedience that they were in. So don't get it confused. When we start talking about darkness, we're talking about disobedience. We're talking about sin. It darkens our understanding. So when we walk in willful disobedience, and I know this is sort of almost uh, weird to even hear this talked about in the 21st century. People don't talk about sin, but you know that the wages of sin is still death? Amen. Talk to me, somebody. Still death. Somebody say still. Yeah, it's still death, but thank God, through Jesus Christ, we can receive eternal life. 
Amen. He is the light of the world. Now, with that being said, both Moses and Job spoke about spiritual darkness as groping in the state of blindness. It was Moses that compared this state of sin and disobedience as groping about a blind, as a blind, blind person in the darkness. That's Deuteronomy 28 and 29. So he says, in this time of darkness, there was people that was in this state of darkness, and they were just going about their life groping trying to find things but they weren't able to find it or see it they were groping around simply because they was in that state of darkness now you say well what does that mean did you know that there's times in your life that you can be groping around things that you should have obtained lost vision lost perspective we're going to do a series called lost and found we're going to talk about lost sheep we're going to talk about remember the woman that lost her coin and the Bible says she swept the whole house looking for this one coin. And when she found it, she called all of her friends and neighbors to come over and rejoice with her because it was a time of celebration. Why? Because she had found that which was lost. It's not only indicative of the fact that she searched for it, it's also it's an indication she wasn't in darkness looking for it. So I want to challenge you to be a lot more intentional as it relates to allowing your light to shine so that you can see what's going on around you. Not only that, it was Job's friend that speaks, uh, spoke of this lost spirit, uh, people that was lost in this spiritual darkness. And he says this, and I quote, darkness comes upon them in the daytime and at noontime they grope as in the night. That's Job 5 and 14. This is what you need to understand, that even in this place of darkness can also be relational. You can be husband and wife and passing each other like ships in the night because of darkness. Darkness can reflect the hallway of your home. And in this side of the house is lit up. But on the back side of the house, because of darkness, you're separated from your children. They may be living in a state of darkness. And because we're so saturated, busy, distracted, they can come time become spiritually neglected and they live in a time of darkness. Before this is over with, I'm going to share with you some personal testimony points that hopefully will aid you in support. Because I want a wise leader asked me, what does that look like? So I'm hopeful that I can share with you in a way that will help you to see what that looks like. So your relationships, friendships, all of a sudden, no, all relationships require maintenance. And all of a sudden, darkness comes in, and now there's no maintenance on the relationship. You're no longer calling your girlfriend. You're no longer calling your bestie. You're no longer checking on them. You used to, but all of a sudden, you can get so saturated in your personal life that you can unintentionally become selfish. And now, all of a sudden, it's just about you, your four, and no more. Can I get a witness here? So, with that being said, it was John 8 and 12 says, Jesus spoke this to them again saying, I am the light of the world and he who follows me shall not, not could not, not would not. He says, shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Notice Jesus says something in this passage in our given text this morning, Matthew 5. He says, you are the light of the world. Say that with me. You are the light of the world. Now let's make it personal. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the light of the world. Okay, y'all were scared to say that, huh? Yeah, yeah. Just look at your other neighbor. Maybe that one scared you. Look at another neighbor and say, you are the light of the world. See, when Jesus, notice, notice in this given text, Jesus gives his disciples both a great compliment, but he also gives them a great responsibility when he says that you are the light of the world. Notice something, though. Notice Jesus never challenged them to become light. Notice that. He didn't challenge them to become light. He declared, you are the light of the world, which he is simply saying, you're light. In other words, he wants them to know that this is your now new kingdom identity. I believe some of us, and some of us need to park right here, some of us are not allowing our light to shine because we don't know our identity in him. We're still trying to, you know, we're we, we still trying to figure it out. But you don't have to figure it out because he's already worked it out. All you got to do is just talk to him. But, but the problem is, is that, that, that we may not know who we are. And I'm going to tell you, before you leave here, you don't have to walk out the same way you came, came in. He wants to deal with all of our identity. Understand the church. Listen to me, church. Understand, we are either fulfilling our God-given assignment or we are failing at his given responsibility to us. 
He says, you are the light of the world, which means this. When he says we are the light of the world, it literally means that we as the church, we as individual believers, we are to bring illumination. Somebody say illumination. Number two, it means that we are to be givers. Somebody say be a giver. Yeah, because light gives off its energy. And then we are to have a responsibility outside of ourselves. Notice he says, you are the light of the world. He didn't say you are the light of your address. He didn't say you are the light of Cornerstone Covenant Church. He didn't say you are the light of Big Spring or Howard County or Texas. He didn't say you were uh, just of uh, the northern region. He says we are the light of the global community. In other words, he says, I left you to rule and to reign and to take charge and to do the things I've called you to do in the earth realm and it's not limited to your zip code but we have kingdom power we got kingdom authority somebody should have said amen now that means we got to walk in as newfound our identity and our identity is that we are light he says let your light so shine before men now when Jesus makes this statement to his disciples remember Jesus in the latter part of chapter 4 he has just ministered to the multitude he had ministered to the multitude and by now in his humanity I'm sure he's tired he's fatigued the beginning of chapter 5 he takes his disciples and pulls them away from the multitude and he gets with his disciples and he teaches them what we commonly refer to as the Beatitudes that's the beginning of chapter 5 then he gets down to this particular part and he's talking to his disciples and he says, let your light so shine before men. Listen to me, church. He is telling you the same thing. Let your light so shine before men. And what that means what? He is saying shining our light, light number one, is a kingdom expectation. Not just Jesus, not just God. The entire kingdom expects us to let our light shine. Do you realize that? That is an expectation that he has of us to let our light shine. That means you got to let your shine, light shine. My, uh, uh, the little song we used to sing, uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. See, you don't have to be Baptist. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, let it shine, let it shine, everywhere I go. Now, you got to be careful about that part. Everywhere. If I let my light shine, it's going to affect how I treat and talk to my wife. If I let my light shine everywhere, it's going, to it's, going to, it's going to temper and affect how I manage and parent my children. It's going to, listen, it's going to affect my attitude even when it comes to ministry and people that we have to serve with. It will. It will affect how you treat. When you say you're going to let your light shine, I'm going to prove it to you before we get out of here. So he says here, he says, let your light shine before me. And so there's a kingdom expectation. But not only that, shining our light must mean, here it is, it means that it's an intentional act. To let your light shine is to be intentional. Now, what would you call this? What would you call this? You see, a light? Yeah, that, that, that's good. That's what I would call it too, but it's not true. This is not a light, it's a bulb. It's not a light until it's illuminated. Some of you Christians are satisfied with just being a bulb. But you will never fulfill your Christian mandate as a light until you illuminate. See, our city is full of this. Our homes are full of this. Our churches are full of this. And what God is saying in this hour, he says, you got to let it shine. And then he says, let it shine. Here it is before men. Certain people come up you. He says, no, let it shine. Let, let your light shine before men. Why? Because they are in darkness and they need to see a light. I can prove it to you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, the fourth verse, he says the enemy of this world, actually he says the God of this world, small g, has blinded them so that they cannot see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, and if our gospel be hidden, pull it up yourself. If our gospel be hidden, it's hidden to those who are lost. So the people that need it most are the people that we're turning it off in front of. So we have a 
kingdom expectation. We have also an intentional, it must be an intentional act, but also shining our light. Did you know it's a choice? In other words, you must allow your light to shine. You, you, it's a choice. You, you need to understand that. That's a choice. That's why he later goes on to say, if we light a candle, would we take and put it under? Here it is. Here it is. He told me this, but I forgot. Praise the Lord. Y'all still there? I'm going way back here in the back, so hey, give me, give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. Here we go. Here we go. All right, I'm back. Here we go. He says, bushel. Anybody country folks in here? Bushel? Anybody country? Country folks? Uh, farmers market people? Uh, you know, they, they have, they still use in certain parts of the country, especially if you go down south where they have a bunch of fruit markets, they have bushel baskets. Bushel baskets is a basket that's pretty, they come in different sizes, but traditionally they carry about eight gallons of peas or peach. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's pretty good round. They're made with those little wooden slots, slats on the side of it. You've seen them, right? So he says, who would light a candle or turn their light on and then put it under a basket? You know what he's saying? He says in certain circles and situations and circumstances and circles of influence, you're hiding your light. So you know what the implication is, is that you already lit up. So now because you're already lit up and glowing, you have to hide it. That's why you go to certain places and people are looking at you strange and you're looking at them strange and they're looking at you strange because they see something different. But they see something in you that you don't always see in yourself. That's why you can go on back out there and go hide and do everything that they're doing. But you know it's different for you. You know why? Because God has given you his incorruptible seed. And once that seed is planted in you, listen to me. If a wallamillion seed can be 100 years old and still produce, how much more can the word of God? So when that word gets planted in you, all of a sudden it's in you. And now you got to cover it up because you're in a certain He says, no. Let your light so shine before men. So this is what I want you to capture. Not only does he, we have a kingdom expectation, and he wants us to be intentional, uh, be an intentional act, and he wants us to light up by choice. It also, we need to understand, is that it cannot be done in isolation. This is not to be done in a hidden place. We only light up way over here. In an isolated place. People that really know me know I'm a Christian. Well, the people that don't really know you need to know that you're a believer. The people that know me over here know that I have faith in God and that I pray. But guess what? People out here in the world that are in darkness needs to know it as well. And, and I'm going to tell you why here in a second. So he says we are a city that is sitting on a hill that cannot be hidden. So that speaks to our collective effort. That speaks to us as communities, cities. One person cannot be a city. A few people cannot be a city. It is a co community or citizen effort. So that means we, the church, is a community of believers. Because there's only one church. Pastor Willard, what kind of doctrine is that? You're saying Cornerstone Covenant Church is the only church? No, Cornerstone Covenant Church is a congregation. Jesus Christ only has one church, and that's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's multiple congregations that's a part of the church. Amen. And anybody that tells you doctrinally that their church is the only church, you need to find out where was they founded. A lot of them was found around 1600, 1700, 1800. And you got to ask them, well, what was the church doing before your founder was founded? Amen. Okay, that's a little. Okay, I thought, I'm back. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. Okay, so, so understand, when you, when, you, when you move down this road, you need to understand, he gives us, when he says you are a city that sits on a hill, and this city cannot be hidden. In the daytime, it cannot be hidden because it's obvious. But at nighttime, because it's so illuminated, it cannot be hidden. It's just like stars. Stars are always out. But it's not until darkness that they become visible. Cities are the same way, especially those that are at a distance. And he's saying the church collectively should be so illuminating the earth that it's obvious that the Lord Jesus Christ has a presence and represented here in the earth realm. Jesus Christ sets it off by being God with us, Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh. He's with us. And now we become a representation of that kingdom population because we are not of this world. We are just pilgrims passing through. We're part of another king. That's why he calls us ambassadors. When I served in the military, 
if, when I served in the military, when I was in Europe, they have a consulate there. They, they have an ambassador. And once you get to the consulate, when you get there to uh, where the ambassador resides, once you get on that property, even though I was in Europe, when I came on that property, I was actually on sovereign ground, U.S. territory. That's how they see it. That's what the kingdom is. We are representations from the kingdom here on earth as ambassadors. And when people come into your territory, they should recognize that you don't represent yourself, but you represent God Almighty. Can I get a witness here? So I know there's some work to do. Look at your neighbor and say, hang on in there. Yeah, I know, because I know when we look at this, we're like, that's a lot of work to do. Here it is. He says, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand. Now, the reason he says this, the idea of the lampstand gives a sense that we are to be intentional about letting the light shine. So now he's going to take the light and put it on an elevated place called a lampstand. And that elevated lampstand is now going to give light to all that are in the house. Now, the text says the candle gives light to all. Somebody say all. all. Come on, say, somebody say all. all. It was Charles Spurgeon that said this, and I quote, some professors give light only to a part of the house. I have known women very good to all but their husbands, and these they nag from night to night so that they give no light to them. I have known husbands so often out of meetings that they neglect home, thus their wives miss their light. Close quote. You know what Charles was saying? We give light to everybody else but the people that's right around us that need it. You, you opened the door for the woman at the church, but you wouldn't open the car door for your own wife. Look at your neighbor and say, let your light shine. Ooh, it got tight right there, didn't it? It got tight. Every brother after church is going to be opening doors like, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. What you doing, baby? I'm just letting my light shine, girl. I'm letting my light shine. And then when you get home, say, now I want you to let your light shine too. Now that's for the married folks. That's for the married folks. Okay, okay. I'll, do, I'll cover that later. I'll cover that later. Okay. So here it is. Here it is. Here it is. The purpose of the light in this manner is to minimize. Here it is. Is to, is to show a four unique things, a minimum of four unique things. Here it is, the first one. Before you go in and pierce this darkness, and after you get in, you got to let your light shine. And this is why. Because when we go in and we finally pierce the darkness... And light is shined in this dark place. Let me tell you the first thing that happens. It's illuminated. The place, the Bible says, it gives light to all that is in the house. And, and some of you may not be able to see this, but now what was hidden in darkness, I was telling him at the 9 o'clock, it's still there. I didn't see it earlier, but there was a bag of clips that was sitting right here. I told Danny after the, uh, the service, I said during meeting greet, put that in there. When I walked in there early, I forgot it was in there, but when I shined the light, I can see it. What things are we missing that's hidden to us, that belong to us, that we can't see because it's hidden in darkness? Sometimes it's our joy. Sometimes it's our peace. But sometimes it's a relationship. Sometimes it's a friendship. Sometimes it's our finances. It's hidden in these obscure, dark, blind places. So guess what the light does? It brings illumination. But let me tell you what else what happens when I shine the light in there. It doesn't just bring illumination. Somebody say illumination. Which means, here it is, let me give you a definition because I see some of you are taking notes, but let me tell you real quick what it means. It means when I use the word illuminate, it means to light it up. It means to help clarify, and it also means to help explain. So when this was actually in the place of darkness, and I tripped, when I turn the light on, it will help explain why I'm tripping. But that's only if I let the light shine. I could still fall in darkness, but don't know why I'm falling. I can still trip in darkness and not know why I'm tripping. Look at your name and say, do you know why you're still tripping? So here it is. So, so, so light, it illuminates it. It, it, it. it brings illumination. But not only that, you know what the light does? It brings exposure. Somebody say exposure. Yeah, exposure literally means that it makes something visible by uncovering it. And I'm going to explain that more. So when you're in this place of darkness, when you've pierced the darkness of your, of your life, when you've pierced the darkness, and you remember you've pierced the darkness with two things, with the gospel and by living, by, by doing it, by living it. 
Because you can pierce somebody else's darkness without ever saying a word because you become an example to them by just simply letting your light shine. That's what happened to me in Europe. When I watched my pastor, Martin Johnson, uh, I was very young, very young couple, but I remember him planting a seed without intentionally doing so. I remember saying, man, his wife's name was Vivian, and I remember telling myself, man, I wish Bella. Bella was always kind and always loving, so I don't want to paint it uh, in, a, in an unsavory way, but I want to be re- realistic. Remember, sins darkens our insight and understanding. And so here I am, I'm watching them, and I'm watching how they interact. And what I, I guess what I'm telling you is that our relationship was unhealthy. More, more to do with me than her, but certainly I recognized that we were unhealthy. And I watched how Vivian responded to him, how she lovingly respected and honored him. But I noticed how he lovingly cared and treated and secured her. And the light came on. Duh. If I would treat, because I didn't want Vivian. Don't get it twisted. You know, some of y'all do that. Y'all don't want to water your own grass. You're looking at somebody else from a distance that look like they're watering. And you say, ooh, I wish my husband would act like Pastor Willie and Bella saying, I bet you don't. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but you, but you, <laughs> but you got to do your own maintenance. Amen. You got to water your own grass is what I'm saying. And so what it does, it, it shines. And what it did, it exposed some things. Not only Piercing the darkness, not only will it illuminate, not only will it expose, but when you find yourself here, this is what it does. Here's the third point, and that is the light will be a guide. Yeah. If, imagine this being a tunnel, and it goes way down the road. And I got this little bitty flashlight. But in that dark tunnel, did you know this one little light brings attention And allows people that if this is the exit, they can find their way to the exit with this little bitty light. My light ain't like her light. Your light don't have to be like her light. Just let your light shine. I wish I had the gifts that he gave. No, you don't. Because let me tell you something. To to covet someone else's gift is not only to be jealous of what someone else has, but it also implies God got it wrong when he gave you what he gave you yours. Can I get a witness here? So down this tunnel... It it gives people guidance to where they go. But here's the fourth one, fourth point. And then I'm going to get into some testimonial stuff. The fourth thing is that when you shine your light in a dark place, after you get in, one of the things you'll notice, here it is, not only will you find uh, that shining your light brings guidance, but it brings reflection. Okay. See, I'm pointing the light at you. Y'all see that? You see that? You see that light being pointed? But I cannot point light at you without not bringing attention to myself. And a lot of times we don't want to let our light shine. It's not because we don't mind shining light in your face. Come on, talk to me, y'all. Don't don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. But when, when, when you shine the light in somebody else and you're exposing them and you're putting all their stuff on Facebook and running them down on Instagram, what you need to do is a novel on yourself, a book on yourself. You know why you need to talk about yourself? Because you will never know them like you know yourself. So when we shine the light in these dark places, it is not to bring shame or embarrassment, but it's to bring guidance so that people's stuff can be exposed privately so that they can be helped and assisted with dealing with the things that they've been tripping over. It guides them out of that place of darkness. But you need to understand that when you shine the light, it will reflect back on you. I was telling you last week or week before, before last that I, in my, my ignorance, uh, I told my daughter to do something. My middle one, she's much like me. And I told her, I said, hey, I need you to do this. And I was in a hurry. And she said, why? What you mean, Why? be asking me why you do it because I told come on how many parents are that way you do it because I told you to do it. you about to have a heart attack try, because you <laughs> you blown away that they had asked you they had the audacity to ask you why and she looked at me with simplicity and says how am I supposed to learn if I don't ask why I felt so embarrassed I'm serious I couldn't come up with anything I couldn't I mean she so stumped me I was like mm. You ever had one of those mm, moments? You just, mm. and, and during that moment, you can hear the Holy Spirit saying, gotcha. <laughs> so what I can do is I can humble myself and say, you're right. Let me explain. Or I can be prideful 
and keep my dysfunction going and pass that dysfunction on to her. Amen. So here it is. You got the light and it's shining. It's illuminated. So all of a sudden, the light is shining. It's exposing. It's illuminating. It's bringing guidance, but it's bringing reflection. Somebody say reflection. So when we talk about bringing reflection, I'm literally talking about bringing attention to yourself. You can bring attention to yourself. Uh, and let me tell you a situation that happened uh, uh, to me. Uh, I was uh, sitting home. Oh, actually at home, me and Bella were in this. We were in this, uh, how can I put this, passionate discussion. Passionate, passionate, passionate discussion. I, I call it a passionate discussion because um, we were we were going back at it we and let me clarify I've I've never been one of those people I've never been violent in any relationship and I've been married going on 29 years tomorrow 29 years tomorrow never never been one of those I'm not being I'm not being braggadocious because I do got some baggage I do got some mess but that's just not one of them and I want you walking out saying I wonder what the pastor was doing no I wouldn't we wasn't cussing and fussing my kids my oldest is 28 years old she's never heard me say an expletive I, I didn't say I've never cussed I said in 28 years she's never heard me cuss any of my kids have never heard me never heard me cuss so it's not one of those kind of arguments and the reason I bring that up because I came up in a house where my mother cussed like a sailor my mother could have, I'm serious, I'm serious. If they offered a degree, my mother would have a PhD. She, she would be teaching in one major university. So I'm, I'm serious. My mother would be teaching in a university right now on how the rhythm of cussing. <laughs> She's saved now, but I'm telling you, that's what I grew up in. And because I grew up in that environment, it was naturally a part of who I was. And so uh, one day I was uh, uh, having this discussion with Bella. And we were, we were, we were, you know, it, it becomes uh, he, uh, heated, I guess, uh, in the sense of the kids hear us going back and forth. And I happened to leave where we were having our discussion, and I happened to just go in the, the kitchen area, and all three girls are sitting at the dining table, and they're crying. And one of them said, y'all going to get a divorce. I said, what's wrong with y'all? Y'all going to get a divorce. Ooh, I was so irritated. I was so frustrated. Now remember, I came in the room with darkness because there is a way to argue. There's a way to discuss things. And, and, and there, uh, there's a way to fight. You should never forget who you are even in a passionate discussion. But you should never forget who you're talking to in that discussion. And Christ still should be the center. So here I am, we're having a discussion. I walk in this dining room and I see my girls, because I know where I came from. And I see them, <laughs> you and mama going to have a divorce. I lost it. I said, what do you mean we're going to have Y'all sitting up here, y'all ain't got no backbone. What do you mean? All of this, you never hear us argue. And all of a sudden, you're going to be crying and acting like this. What is wrong with y'all? That's how, I, that's how I, was, I was upset. And then the Holy Spirit began to deal with me because I didn't realize darkness was trying to cover me. And let me tell you how. You say, well, what was the big deal? Because some of y'all are that way as well. Darkness was trying to cover me because the dysfunction I grew up in, my meter was way over here. But because of biblical principles and truth and purpose, we had created a certain type of culture and atmosphere in our home that our kids' meter was way over here. And because they weren't dysfunctional like me, I got mad. And guess what? One or two things. You humble yourself in that moment and say, you know what? Y'all are right. You're not used to this type of thing. We didn't create this type of atmosphere. So don't let me project my dysfunction from my upbringing onto you. Don't get me wrong. I got great parents. I'm just saying we have a different atmosphere in a different home. So here it is. My meter was way over here, tweaking, and theirs was way over here, but it was tweaking as well, but at a much lower level. Why? Because that was not something they're used to. And some of you, God is trying to transform your home, but you won't let go of your past dysfunction. And this is what happens. Darkness in that moment was trying to cover not just me, but the children. Because they got a choice to make too. They can accept my apology and realize that's dysfunction. Or they can now be adults with their own kids and spouses and doing the same thing that I did with them. One or two things. Let me tell you. Not only does the light... When the light lights up, (laughs) 
And then sometimes your battery just go dead. But, but, once, but, but not only, here it is, not only does when the light comes on, it brings attention to you and even exposes your dysfunction, like in my case, it also gives your position away. It gives your position away. Some of you, how many of you are veterans? Veterans in the house? Some of you know this, that uh, especially when you go to bivouac and go to special training areas, uh, if you've never been. I've been to Desert Storm, Desert Shield, so I know what it means to be in a, in a place where you have to have noise and light discipline. Y'all remember those terms, noise and light discipline? For you who are novice or not acquainted with that type of terminology, it means that when you get in the battlefield, you got to be quiet in certain places, but also you have to manage light. So people, especially the Vietnam area, they got my uh, papa back there. He's, he's, a, he's a veteran as well and probably one of the oldest veterans we have in here. He, uh, I call him papa. He's not my papa. Some of y'all are like, you was adopted? I didn't know that was your dad. I, 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 I call Brother Flowers. I call Brother, raise your hand, Brother Flowers, so they know who you're talking about. I call Brother Flowers papa. I've been, I've been doing that ever since I met him. I don't know why. And he let me say it, so I just keep calling him that, I guess. But, but if you smoke cigarettes... Uh, you learned over the time to cup your hand. And the reason is, is because of the embers. So if you're in a dark place, especially particularly in a wooded area, but any place of darkness, and you had a cigarette and you inhale, those embers light up, and they can be seen from a very long distance. That would be a violation of light and, dark, uh, light and sound discipline because it, it illuminates. This is what I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to teach you that when, not only does it give your it brings attention, but it gives your position away. Let me tell you a situation where my position was given away. I was sitting at home. This is something we did every Christmas. Every Christmas we sit at the, uh, around uh, the coffee table in the front room. and I would sit here. Bella was sitting there. The kids was in there, and I think one was on the, on the floor. And we watched Christmas Story. You know, kids, you're going to shoot your eye out. You know what I'm saying? We're watching the Christmas story, and when we're watching this, um, I took that opportunity while we were sitting around. We had probably eaten already. It was Christmas, and I went to call uh, my parents and just wish them well and Merry Christmas. So I called my mother and said, hey, Merry Christmas, and said, hey, let me talk to Dad. I was talking to him. He said, you know, Merry Christmas. And for some reason, we got into this brief discussion. I, to this day, cannot remember what we were talking about. Something about he said something that irritated me, um, cast doubt on something or said you were, you know, misrepresented. Or not, I, don't, I don't remember what it was, but I, I knew he didn't know uh, in that the full thing. And, and, and to make a long story short, I was irritated. And I just simply said, Dad, I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. See you. Click. Didn't wait for him to say goodbye. You know, I'm one of those people that's Roger out, so I don't always wait for, I need to get better. My kids have trained me over the years to say, Dad, I want you to say goodbye before you hang up type of thing. And so I'm getting better. Y'all pray for me, okay? But, but anyway, here I am. I'm, 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 I'm in this place, and I, I'm good because it's Christmas. I'm good because the family around. I'm good. We've eaten. We're watching. And we're having a good time. And then in this conversation, see, let, I'm trying to tell you, darkness can slip up on you quickly. So here it is, darkness now is down at my feet, and I'm in this conversation, and now it's coming up. Darkness is trying to slip up on me, because darkness can come. You say, Pastor Willow, where's the darkness in that? Well, when I said that and I hung up, I knew something went off in my heart. And when I said goodbye, anybody standing on the outside probably, probably wouldn't have caught it, but in my insides, the Holy Spirit knew that in that moment you were just dishonorable. You were disrespectful. And that's the first commandment with promise, to honor your mother and father. I should have had more amens than that. Some of you can turn this darkness around if you would just simply start honoring your mother and father. You don't know what they did to me. The command to honor your parents has nothing to do with your parents. Let me preach. Let me tell you something. You honoring your parents has nothing to do with their behavior. It is a command by God. And God gave you that command knowing who your parents would be knowing what they would do ahead of time and you said how do I do that you keep it vertical not horizontal I'm gonna say it again over here you keep it vertical and not horizontal in other words the command is something that God asks you to do not your parents asking you to do so as believers we're going to choose to honor them because that's the kingdom expectation so here it is I hung up the phone and I got up and when I got up well I was sitting there 
And immediately, I became convicted. Nobody, just the family, nobody knows. I'm convicted. And I get up, and I take my phone, and I walk around to go in through this doorway through the kitchen. And I was going to call my dad and apologize. And the Holy Spirit says, you didn't do it privately. So I had to take my hips and go back. No, I'm serious. I sat down. I sat back down. And I'm dialing the phone. And darkness is trying to get me. And all of a sudden, I said, hey, Dad, can I talk to you? Yes, son, what's up? I said, hey, Dad, I just want to tell you I'm sorry. I apologize. He said, what? For what? I said, well, Dad, when we was talking earlier, he said, oh, he tried to minimize it because on his end, he didn't, he didn't sense it. I said, no, Dad, I need to apologize. I said, because I felt something in my heart that, 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 that came across to me in my heart, not in my words, but in my heart, dishonorable. And I just want to say, I'm sorry, forgive me. And he said, son, it's certainly okay. Darkness leaves. See, darkness, let me tell you, darkness cannot stay if you operate in humility and honor and go by God's word. The reason that darkness is prevailing in our lives is because not only are we choosing to not walk in holiness, not only are we choosing to walk in willful disobedience, we who are supposed to honor God's word don't. Let me give you a Bible. The Bible says in one, Psalms 128, he says, he says this. He says, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. The word fear there means to take God seriously. He says, you will be blessed if you simply take me serious. Then he says, he tells you how to take him serious. He says, and who walks in my ways. You know what he's saying? You don't honor God with your mouth. You honor him with your feet. Pastor, what do you mean? You can say one thing, but it's your behavior has to follow what you say you believe with your mouth. So when we know to do the right thing and we choose to ignore it in that moment, God was not enough. I'm going to say it again. In that moment, God was not enough. So what we have to do is we have to shift it. Look at your name and say, let's shift it. Yeah, so here it is. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done, but let me just share with you. Not only does it bring attention, not only does it give your position away. See, when I shine this light over at you, it doesn't just expose the light and shine light on your direction. It exposes me as well, and guess what else it does? It brings attacks. Because when you shine this light in somebody's direction, we don't like the light being shined on us. The Bible says in John 3, 19, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So when you shine light in a dark place, people don't like that to be exposed. When you tell somebody, no, 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 I love you, but you were wrong. No, 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 I support you, but you need to go apologize. All that's rubbing against is your pride. And pride does not like to be corrected. And so the Bible says, let your light be seen or let your light shine so men may see. What do they see and what happens when they see? Some people will admire you. Some people will commend you. Some people will rejoice with you. And some people will even try to imitate your faith, particularly our kids. But guess what happens? When you shine light also in dark places, it also brings attacks. And some people, it brings out the worst in them, not the best. Some people will envy you. Some people will hate you. Some people will even try to censor you. And some people will even blast you. Matter of fact, that's what happened to Peter and John. In the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, they were preaching the gospel and some people got mad. They shined the light in their community. You can read it for yourself. Chapter 4, the entirety. But verses 1 through 12 tells you the story. But when you get to verse number 13, the Bible says, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, and untrained men, they marveled. You know why they marveled? King James says they were ignorant and unlearned. They were ignorant and unlearned. In other words, they looked at them and said, where are these misfits coming from? But when they shined the light and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, it exposed them to a level of attack. But when they exposed them, it brought this. Look, listen to this. The Bible says they perceived them to be uneducated and untrained men, but they knew that they had been with Jesus, you missed it. People can criticize you, but at least they know you've been with Jesus. That's if you've been with Jesus. Not just church, 
not just in prayer, not just at the worship service. We need to spend some time with Jesus. I'm closing. As we look at this, in these closing moments, he says that they may see your good works. And all of this light bringing attention was not just to see your good works, but the Bible says that what they evaluated, what they saw, would cause them to glorify our Father in heaven. Can you imagine living in such a way that people, by your example, begin to glorify God on your job, in your home? Listen to me. This is, this is, not, this is not a criticism. It's a critique. We have no problem making our kids go to school. But we have a problem making them get to the house of God. Going to church becomes optional, school is not. What message do you think you're sending? What message do you think you're sending to your children? We live in a time in this summer, this, is, this again is a critique, that people were literally waiting to see what the school was going to do before they took their kids out of quarantine rather than to pray and discover what God had already said. So when the secular community told you it was okay, you said okay, not realizing that we never took time to hear from God ourselves. This is a time that you have to lead and you lead by letting your light shine. Do you know the people that are making those decisions should be pulling you aside and asking those questions? Hey, you've been praying? Yeah, I've been praying. What are you sensing? What are you praying? What is God laying on your heart? You cannot do that if you're living in fear yourself. See, now, listen, listen, listen. This is a time where people now, you say you believe the Bible, now the Bible is coming to life, and now we got people that are running to caves. So that means only during peacetime when money is good, health is good, everything is great, all of a sudden we believe God. And then soon as the enemy attack us in those areas, we abandon God and we flee to the hills. But the same community needs us to stand, not in ignorance, not in pride, not in arrogance, but in humility, trusting God in the... Faith is not the absence of fear. Faith says, I'm going to trust God even in the midst of my fear. Trust God. Our time is up. Let us stand. You know how you pierce the darkness? You pierce the darkness through the gospel message that you preach and the life you live. I'm going to say it again. Y'all look at me. You pierce the darkness in that school and in that hospital and in that courtroom and in the marketplace and in the home place and in the workplace. You pierce the darkness by what you preach, proclaiming. The Bible says in the book of Acts, after the day of Pentecost, remember Luke wrote, Luke and he wrote also Acts and in the latter part the end of chapter 24 he tells us the promise of the Holy Spirit that was going to be sent chapter 1 he revisit that promise then chapter 2 that promise is happening and the power of the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost after that experience Peter preached the gospel message like a madman on fire and people's lives was transformed and the Bible says in Acts, I just want to read this. In Acts, the second chapter, the 32nd, 37th verse, this is amplified. And when they heard this, they were cut to their heart with remorse and anxiety. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what are we to do? The NLT says it this way. And Peter's word pierced their heart. And they said to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? You know how you pierce darkness? You pierce darkness with the word, with your living. You know how you pierce darkness? You pierce darkness with worship. Jesus told the woman at the well in John 
chapter 4, I think it's around the 24th verse, he says you must worship, God is a spirit, and you must worship him in spirit, here it is, and in truth, or according to the truth. Not according to your own ideas, not according to your own thoughts, but according to how God has already laid it out, that's how God wants to be worshipped. So when you turn worship in your home, worship music, you want to run the devil out your house, go, and, go home and turn some worship music on set the atmosphere and begin to and I'm not talking about inspirational songs I'm talking about blood songs I know it was the blood no don't don't keep doing what you're doing keep doing what you're doing let songs be prayed that invoke the name of Jesus you start play that in your car on the way to school Turn Tupac off. I ain't got nothing against Tupac, but turn him off when you're taking the kids to school and turn on some worship music and then pick them up with worship music and see how their day is going. You cannot wait till Sunday to try to pierce darkness. Piercing darkness starts tomorrow morning. Today is training. So now when we go home, we worship and we set the atmosphere in our home. We give the word because that pierced darkness. Let me tell you the other thing that will pierce darkness, and that's prayer. Prayer pierces darkness. There was a man by the name of George Bloomer. He lived in New York, and he was a drug addict. He's a pastor now, but he was a drug addict back then, and he was shooting up with heroin, and he was with a group that he was smoking, that he was getting high with, and some people in the group that he was partying with didn't like him. That's news for all you people that think you can hang out in darkness and think everybody loves you because you're doing the same thing. Some people don't like you out there either. But that's another time, another story for another time. But what they did was they laced his heroin with uh, embalming fluid and rat poison, and he overdosed. And he, uh, one of the friends that was there when he, overdose took him and threw him out this is in New York threw him out in front of the hospital and he threw him outside and left him there he don't know how long he was there but he was left in front of the hospital on the um, that year was the coldest night in New York for that particular year eventually they brought him in they worked on him they worked on him somebody notified his next to kin worked on him worked on him and they the coroner came in and pronounced him dead his mother who was not saved who was actually at a party with a cigarette this was years ago you know you wouldn't have been having no cigarette in no hospital back then she had a cigarette in her mouth down in the corner with his tag on his toe and she's cussing at his dead corpse she's cussing and fussing cussing and fussing cussing and fussing at him and between her cussing and fussing her attention shifted with a cigarette hanging out her mouth. She says, God, I haven't always done what I know to do. I don't go to church. I don't believe in organized religion. I'm sick of all of this. She said, but if you save my son, I'll give you my life. <coughs> he coughed with a tag on his toe. He coughed. You know why? A simple sinner's prayer with humility and honesty and authenticity pierced darkness and went to heaven. And God granted her her request. For you who are living in darkness, the Bible says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, and God's face hovered over the waters. And God said, in the midst of darkness, let there be light. Listen to me. Notice God didn't speak what he saw. He spoke what he wanted to see. Some of you walk around darkness and all you do is talk about the darkness. Go back to the darkness and tell the darkness about your light. That's what you need to do. As we prepare to pray. I believe our simple prayer for you today is that God would give you the wisdom. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, wisdom is greater than strength. 
So let's pray that God will give you the wisdom to download that you have a better strategy. Matter of fact, in that same ninth chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, he later tells us in that same passage that wisdom is even better when you're launching or going in warfare. This is the implication. Your warfare strategy is better deployed with wisdom than the mighty force that you would send into battle. That means a lesser force could overtake a greater army with a better strategy because of wisdom. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't quit. When you go back, school is started. Let's prepare ourselves to manage well. Let's dispel the darkness around us. Let's just start in our homes. Let's just start there. I know we got a lot, but here, here, we're getting ready to pierce the darkness. I've told you some things to know before you pierce. Now you're in. But let's start with our lives in our homes. And as God teaches us lessons behind the scenes in the darkness of our homes, then those same strategies can be deployed when we're dealing with things on the jobs and other circles of influence. So let's start in our homes and as we start in our homes there's somebody here that just simply says I need to give my I need to get on the right army I'm not a child of God every head's bowed every eye closed if you're a person that do not know the Lord and you're saying I'm ready to give my life to Jesus I want to pray this simple prayer with you and I just want you to repeat after me even if you're online and if you pray this prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us. Contact the church. Contact us from online. But we want to hear from you. Here it is. Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I come to you today as a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me, for shedding your blood for me. Jesus, I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross where all my sin debts have been paid in full. Come into my life. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me with your blood. Jesus, take my life. I put it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Not just with your lips, but you prayed it in your heart because now the discipleship process must begin.